Welcome to An Uneducated Guest, where three nobodies from the PCA sit around and talk. What do you get when you put together a layman, a seminarian, and a ruling elder? You get an uneducated guest. Welcome to the show, guys. I've got with me again, I'm Presby Bard, and with me again, as always, is at Bourbon Ghost. I'm going with you first this time. All right. How you guys doing? And then also at Gearhardest B, Gearhardest Boss. What's up? What's up? So uh, it's been fun. We had a little bit better audio last time. We're having a blast doing this. I don't know if anybody's listening, but we're having a good time. What do you guys think? Well, we know that actually 48 people are listening. Not that we're checking or anything. I know one of my favorite things so far is the upgrade in everything we do each week. Right. Uh, software-wise, hardware-wise. Hopefully. We'll see how this recording goes. This is the first time I'm doing it this way. Hopefully it will work and we won't be wasting our time. Well, it's not a waste of time. When the three of us no. get together, it, we couldn't have wasted our time no, no matter way. what. No way. If this doesn't even record, I've had a great time. That's exactly right. All right, let's get right into it because we've got uh, we're going to have a this week in outrage history again, and then we actually have two topics we want to talk about tonight. One being sort of a current event, and the other being a little more theological current event. So we thought we would uh, just dive right in. Let's start bourbon. Get us started this week in outrage history. All right, here we go. We have a uh, little bit of a weird one. This was from March of 2017. Outrageous college student is marked down on essay for using the sexist word mankind. Here we go. It took a little bit further in the article for me to get outraged at the outrage. It's people kind. Because mankind is kind of, you hear that, don't use that. That's kind of common, I feel like, now. Now, yeah. In college campus. Maybe not three well, years ago. Well, that's one thing that's kind of funny about this is the headline makes you think, well, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. then you keep reading, and apparently the student was only docked to one point. Yeah, I so know. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's more outrageous, the outrage of the article or the outrage of the initial? The retaliation to the outrage. We're like a Taco Bell burrito. We have many layers yeah. to this outrage yeah. because we're not. So are you saying that we should be talking about the outrage of this article? Like the outrage that the writer okay, well, had, not, I mean, the, not, the, not the victim. Yes, because yeah. here's the thing, too. Uh, when you're told rules and you don't follow those rules and you get upset that you were penalized for the point. rules. But know? mankind is, like, the fact that you can't say mankind just really does make me mad. That's fair. Yeah. So I'm a little outraged, but I will say you are correct. You should know what you're getting into in a college campus. It's like if you write a philosophy paper and you spend your entire time, uh, you know, being a theist, uh, you should, like, good for you, but you can't be, like, mad whenever the professor goes yeah. at you. If, if your mom tells you the stove is hot, you touch the stove, are you going to get mad at your mom yeah. when plus you Plus it was one point. Yeah, plus it was one point. Out of 50? Out of 50. Well, that's two points then. But you have to read the email from the professor. That's really... I didn't get I didn't get far into it because I wanted to save my outrage. But. Yeah, I haven't read this article either. We kind of... The way we try to do this every week is just let, let Bourbon Ghost do all of the research and then this is going to be genuine outrage from myself and GB. Give so read. read the, read the email, right. yeah. Apparently the student's name is Kaylin. Kaylin, here's a specific breakdown of points for your paper. 39 out of 50. So she was docked 10 points somewhere else. One, insufficient analysis. Two, lack of supporting evidence. Several different points there. In all of my classes, and in many, many university classes, your teachers will design their course and requirements to unsettle the students' certainties about their assumptions about race, class, language, gender, politics, religion, culture, and so on. I would be negligent as a professor who is running a class about the human condition and the assumptions we make about being human. Can you pause it just for a second? Immediately you hear the deconstruction, the Derrida in there of we want to challenge, question, and tear apart any kind of foundational framework you have at viewing the world. While respecting those foundations, supposedly. You know, before he said that you have to, you know, no matter what, politics, religion, whatever. But, again, I mean, we're not going to spend our whole time actually... (laughs) on this outrage discussing the actual problems of this we we'll, maybe we'll spend an episode doing this sometime where we actually talk about like you know gender theory and, yeah, and race yeah. theory and like critical theory in general but like the idea that there is like some sort of neutrality that they you know are assuming is something that they're like the the elite the intellectual elite in college campuses the fact that they view themselves as neutral and don't yeah. aren't able to at least you know even uh, accept or acknowledge their bias. That's that's the big problem. Yeah. When did education become? Um, used to be, you know, education meant imparting knowledge. Now it somehow is making you question any sort of fundamental underlying system of thought that you have. See, I'm not sure that I agree with you. Actually, but maybe we can have another. Okay, so you think education? Okay, go ahead. We'll I, I kind of think. I kind of think this has always been what the purpose of education has been. 
to teach you what to think, not how to think. No, I might would agree with you there. But anyway, go ahead. I do find it funny that the female who was penalized here was penalized for not using a gender-neutral term because it was more patriarchal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another layer. Right. Well, that's not that's the thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, it it definitely in their whole world, it doesn't matter like whether you even if you are from an oppressed class, you still have to respect and you can be like it's very preachy. Like I could be a like non oppressed white male. Finish the email now. Let's just finish the email. If I did not also raise the issue of gendered language and ask my students to respect the need for gender neutral language. The words we use matter, and they matter very much, or else teachers would not be making an issue of this at all, and the MLA would not be making recommendations for gender-neutral language at the national level. This goes on for another paragraph. I'm, I'm, I, can't, I'm, I can't get through it's it. It's the pettiness I'm, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm re-outraged at the outrage now. I mean, not at the outrage, at the actual content. I, this stuff is driving me crazy in this world now with pronouns and it's been everything. three years have we started using but, humankind over mankind yet no no but i'm kind of that's a fair to point, point though, but humankind girl, is not good any, either by the way because it has man in it it's people kind according to justin trudeau people kind yeah peter peter will get mad about that true good point there's no there's never a win no but, you'll never win but the part the 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 girl that the email is written to that got the point docked She's kind of, I mean, she she's complaining about one point. Yeah. It's kind of hard to take her seriously. Yeah, you it's know? almost like she did this on purpose to get fame. Which I, I would mean. actually have more respect for her if she did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. There's, there's two outrage here. There's two things to be outraged about here. One is the natural thing that all of us are outraged about in this, the, the PC, you know, uh, pronoun world. And then uh, the oppression Olympics, as I like to, as I've heard it called. And then also there's the outrage that, you know, really, I mean, I guess this was three years ago. It's hard to keep up with how much the world has been changing so fast because, I mean, it's really hard to believe that it was two weeks ago from now we're here, we're we're recording this, that the coronavirus stuff was starting to kick up. It feels like we've been in quarantine for a month. But um, anyway, then there's also the outrage that the article was outraged by a point, which is kind of stupid, too. It's nonstop. Yeah, outrage is everywhere, folks. We're outraged. This outrage. is a this is an outrage, outrage podcast. Yep. So that's our this week in outrage outrage history, uh, short and sweet this week. We'll find some other stuff, um, and let's move into our topic of the day. We have two so topics of the day: false advertising. Topics of the day. First one we're going to talk about is a current event, and uh, we we talked the last two episodes. Although don't don't listen to the first one; just go straight to the second episode. If you're going to listen, if you're going to go back, wouldn't you guys agree? Oh, absolutely. The first one won't even be up there at the end of this month. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, don't listen to the first one. But but still, for the first two episodes, we talked about the coronavirus, and I think it's worthwhile to talk about because it's on literally everyone's mind. I'm just done talking about it. Yeah, it's I just, know what you mean. Old. It is interesting. The less you talk about it, the, more, the less threatening it feels. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I've ignored it for a week because I've been home for a week, and it feels like, is this even real anymore? Right, and see, that's the, kind of the problem. I know, that is but kind of the problem. We'll get to that. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the coronavirus. We are not going to do it. We are no, not going to talk no. about it this week. But we are going to talk about some of the fallout or some more effects from the coronavirus, which is the bailout. We're going to talk about the bailout that was just, I think, officially, I don't know, even know if it's officially passed or not now. I, I think it seems to be pretty much, we don't do our research. We're I thought it was. I will say I, I read on the way over here dr- while I was driving, which is... To, should be legal. He wasn't doing that. No, yeah. no, no. It has not passed. Not there's, passed. There's been three or four holdups on the Republicans. Right, and that's the thing. So who knows? And like you know, this is an uneducated guest, folks. So yeah. the it's very on brand for us not to really <laughs> know the facts here. So uh, we're just trying to stick to what we know. But what we are going to talk about is the proposed bailout, and that's the one that, as of you know, March 29th. Uh, 2020 has been proposed and seems to be going forward, and that's the total of six trillion dollars in bailout money, two trillion of which is direct payments, and four trillion of which is, uh, in my understanding, basically gives the Federal Reserve lending power of up to four trillion dollars, which they say will be heavy oversight and blah 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 committees and all this kind of stuff, which is very similar to 2008, 2009. If anybody still has PTSD from that, they should. Uh, it's understandable if you do. So let's talk about the bailout. I'm really fired up about this, like really mad about it. I'm going to do the best I can to stay civil and to not get um, angry in a way that is sinful on this podcast uh, with my language. But I kind of want you to get outraged (laughs) enough to to yell. 
I might yell. I might yell. Um, so, two trillion dollars in direct payments. What we do know uh, is that twelve hundred each family, each single person will get twelve hundred. Each family file or couple filing jointly will get twenty four hundred, and then it's five hundred dollars per child. Uh, it's seventy five thousand um, dollars if your income is under seventy five thousand dollars for an individual, and if your income is under, did they change that too? Oh, I'm correct. Why are you shaking your head then? Oh, we don't need. We have one person here in the audience, and he's already screwing us up. We we instructed him to come here, sit in his chair, stay silent, do not interact with your superiors who have microphones in front of their faces, and he's already broken that rule. <laughs> Good grief. Okay, so yeah, all that's correct. So, first of all, one thing I would like to mention that is funny before I get mad is the absolute catastrophe that the Democratic Party is. Because this was proposed on, like, Sunday or Monday. The exact same bill is the one pretty much that they're going forward with now. But in the meantime, in three days, Pelosi and Schumer have managed to take something that should be their advantage and turn it into a disadvantage and make the entire American public hate them because they held up the bill the first time. And they're incompetent. That, seriously. They, they really are. Yeah. I mean, I'll listen to a good NPR piece on how incompetent both um, he and Nancy Pelosi, Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are. I have some theories on this because they can't be that incompetent naturally because both of them have been, you know, lifelong political, you know, workers. And they, you know, Pelosi especially, like Pelosi knows how to play the game for sure. Oh, yeah. Or well, they've reached their highest level of incompetency. Uh, yeah, it could be. But what I think is that they have lost their mind for two reasons. One is Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah. And two is that they have uh, given the party over to the AOC, Ilhan Omar uh, wing of the party and not meant to, but they did it. But even if they would capitalize on the AOC wing of the party, then they could uh, go after Trump for the bailout. But they can't. Well, that's what they should have done. You know, ideologically. you know, she was trying to put in all that pork that's like, AOC kind of pork, you know, it's like uh, all these bailouts for like specific things that are very politically correct. See what I'm saying? No, no, I, I do. I understand what you're saying. What I guess what I was trying to say is they they can't make their mind up. They have an identity crisis. Right. They yeah. don't know what they are. Agreed. Yeah. If they totally could agree. just totally commit to the progressive cause, they could go after Trump for the bailout. They could say, look, working people. He's taking your, you know, you know. Exactly. But they're not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what they should have done. They should have gone with this bill the first time, just let it go, and then they could blame this bailout, just like 08. I mean, there's so much angst, so much anger left over still from the 08, 08 09 bank bailouts, and, you know, they could let this happen, and then they could ride into town, and they would they would take some serious seats in 2020, at least in the Senate, even if Trump won the election. They could take so many Senate seats, and then they'd have the House and the Senate, and it wouldn't matter what Trump wanted that he wouldn't get anything done. But they are such a catastrophe. They're such a disaster that they have somehow turned. They, they let the same bill pass that they were against and in the meantime have made themselves enemy number one to the yep. American public, which is just amazing. And I do love watching this happen uh, and watching what's going to happen the rest of the year with, with uh, animatronic Joe Biden is going to be good too because the real guy, they can't keep putting him out there. There's They're no going to get a robot out there. It's, it's fantastic theater. Oh, it's amazing. They're going to have to come up with, like, we're going to get to see, like, they're calling Boston, you know they're calling Boston Dynamics right now, like, get us a get us a Joe Biden deep fake now. We have to make it happen. But anyway. No, yeah. Okay, so, now let's get into the details of the bailout, and I can talk about why I'm mad, unless, but I don't want to well, talk this whole time. I, yeah, I was wondering why you were mad, because last, I think, last week when we talked about it, you know, we talked about how pragmatically we would rather it go to um, not UBI, but, uh, but yeah. you know, yeah, you know basically. To, to the people rather than to the corporation. Not that we would be in favor of any form of bailout. But I, I have spent the last week playing Red Dead online and building puzzles. So all of what you're about to tell me is going to hit me for the first time. I'm very interested in what yeah. this bailout includes. I don't okay. really know anything about it. Okay, good. Well, here's the thing, though, Gearhart. is that it is not going to the American public. We went from the first time we heard this, literally a week ago, we were hearing that it was going to be UBI, which is monthly income. But even then, they were talking about the, at least the cruise line bailout. Yeah, at least the yeah. cruise line. But they were at least going to have monthly UBI bailout, which I'm not a UBI person at all, so hear me out. And you'll see maybe as we go on in the podcast where my thoughts are economically. But uh, I'm not you know, pro-UBI or anything. But 
at least if you're going to spend a ton of money, you're going to give it directly to the people. Well, now it's come all the way back to be just a one-time stipend. So the same amount that was going to be monthly is now going to be a one-time stipend. And yet, that was back a week ago, that was a $1 trillion bill, bailout, that had UBI in it. Now it's a one-time payment stipend, and it's gone up to two trillion with expansion to six trillion. And I even saw somewhere today that it could expand to ten, to as much as ten. But is it still is it still UBI based, or is it going to corporations? No, it's but it, it's not UBI is universal basic income. Right. This is just a stipend now. It's not going to okay. be monthly oh, gotcha. income. Gotcha. It's going to be a one-time payment. So so it's is like it still going to be at the populist less. level, though. No, I mean yeah, it's going to go to people that make under one hundred fifty households that make under one hundred fifty k. But it's not gonna. I mean, at first, I don't want to get on that. But no, that, that yeah, one hundred fifty thousand. That come on. Yeah. No, I know what you're gonna say, and I completely agree. I mean, people that make one hundred fifty thousand exactly. are also about to go broke. Yeah. Because they just have tons of expenses. Yeah. Like that's not. That's not gonna help. It's anything. not gonna help. They still pay rent. They pay mortgages. They're still gonna lose their houses because they got yeah. too much house, maybe. But it doesn't matter. Whenever they lose it, and then the bank has a house that they can't sell because it's a million. But do we house. really think the goal is to help the American people in this? No, of course not. That's what I'm getting into, and that's is the thing ever? that I'm mad about is that basically what this is is this is another corporate bailout. I mean, right. that's all this is is another corporate bailout where, uh, first, if you're going to spend $2 trillion, why would you not just do a tax holiday this year? Mm-hmm. Just do a tax holiday. You're willing to do it. I mean, if you're willing to, to spend this money or print this money, they're not spending it. It's just where's this money going to come from? Well, the answer is it's just going to come out of the printer. That's all, that's all they can do with it. Is, is print this money, which is just going to make prices go up. I mean, what do they think is going to happen whenever money gets injected into consumers' hands during a shortage? I, I would say right off the bat that Henry, uh, economics and one lesson by Henry Hazlitt, you know, le- maybe around 100 pages worth your time, and it will help you understand oh, yeah. all of this. It should be required reading. I mean, it should be every high school person should should read that I book. I mean, it just shows you how one one interaction like this causes massive disruption in the economy. I was watching uh, Scott Adams' um, live stream this morning, and he had a lot of a lot of interesting interesting things to say. He was pretty angry today. You don't normally see him angry, but he was really angry today. And one of the best things that came from this is a new nickname for Nancy Pelosi. He called her "decomposing Nancy," which I'm totally going to use from here on out because she is she's decomposing right before our eyes. She's decomposing right before our eyes. So, anyway, so first of all, my question is, why would you not just do a tax holiday? And then the second thing I thought we would open up to the uh, to the table is, will this cost Trump the 2020 election? Answer for number two is no. You don't think so? I don't think so. Why not? I think we're too far gone as far as... The DNC? Yeah, I mean, there's we're no too way. too far gone? What do you mean? The Democratic Party. I mean, oh. Biden. I mean, there's no... there's no ch- Even if they pulled a wild card at the, at the convention, I don't think there's any chance. You want to hear what I think is going to happen? Is it going to be Cuomo? I think that they've been wanting Biden. The, the Democratic establishment wants Biden to beat Bernie because they know, first of all, they don't want Bernie. That's obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second of all, they want Biden to get there because then they're going to be able to come up with a million ways that he is incapacitated from the job. And then they're going to get to the convention and they're going to get to pick who they want. And it might be Andrew Cuomo. I think he could be. He would be a, a good option for them, I mean, to win. They haven't had an alpha in years. Uh, I no. don't see how this then gets it, taken away from Bernie and... Uh, I don't know how what the right word to be the fallout from that, but just total chaos. Nothing. His people are losers. I talked yeah. about this with with a friend today. The Democratic Party hasn't had an alpha in years. No, no. And and, and Andrew is the alpha. I'll tell you this much: He's Andrew Cuomo would never take a picture with his hands in front of his waist. <laughs> never. No, that's inside. Inside. Listen, little tip: if you're a man, power move. Never stand body position, not body posture. Put your hands behind your back. Always behind or at your, your back. side. Power stance. Cuomo would never, never. He would always stand that way. Yeah, Ed Orgeron style. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What I find him. interesting about that, though, and this is sort of a sidebar, I find it very interesting that Trump has been criticized for his handling of the coronavirus situation, which is fair in a lot of points, and that Cuomo has not been, despite the fact that New yeah. York is ground zero for the worst. He's actually been praised. He's been praised for yeah. his response, despite the fact that New York is the worst place for it. I think your average Trump voter, though, is enthused at the way Donald oh, yeah. Trump has handled this. My dad is more supportive of Trump but than But see, ever. here's the deal. Whether he did that or not, your dad was going to vote for Trump. Right. But y'all but are not remembering the, yeah. how small of a margin Trump won 2016 by. He lost the popular vote, yeah. as we've heard many times. <laughs> he lost the popular vote, right? So 
he he won this election by a very small amount of votes in key states, Pennsylvania, places like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, very small amount of votes there. What like twenty thousand in Pennsylvania? That is not those Trump supporters, people who are Trump people. That's not who I'm talking about. I mean, I think that people who who always vote Republican or vote Republican most of the time are more enthused about Trump than they were last time. I'll give yeah. you that. But what I'm saying is that there are a lot of these swing voters, blue collar people that are going to be affected by this bailout in a negative way. They're going to see the pockets of their CEOs get lined while they miss a mortgage payment or two mortgage payments or rent throughout this crisis because this could go on for three months where they're without work, and they're the people that are going to get mad. And here's the deal. But the populace isn't smart enough to realize this is happening to the them. The populace always votes on what the state of the economy is. That's like Right, the and I'm saying thing. if you give them a small little bit of uh, candy, if you will, with the big corporate bailout, if you give them a couple grand, they'll overlook what happens with the corporation and keep voting blue. I don't think so. It's not enough money. I mean red. It's yeah. not enough money. It's not enough money. The UBI might have been, but I mean what, two thousand dollars for somebody who's got who's got about who's without very work. Very low very low income. The people the swing if you're talking about swing voters like labor union guys and stuff, maybe. But think maybe. about it though. Think about it. They're getting they're getting twenty four hundred dollars if they're married and they have let's say they miss two two months of work. That's just that's just the mortgage. No, that's what about right. groceries? Now, they're, yeah, they're, they're wage employees. You're right. What about groceries? What about all their other expenses? This is not going to pay for any it, of their It's a expenses. very small amount. Think about it like this, too. It seems like an okay amount, and we live in a, in a state where exactly. cost Our of living, cost of is, living is, great, is fantastic. Is, exactly. What does this look like in San Francisco? I mean, obviously, they're going to be blue anyway. What's this look like in Nevada? Yeah, Pennsylvania yeah. or Wisconsin, Michigan, these places where, I mean, those are not all low-cost living. Yeah. And here's the deal. Here's the part I'm fired up about, and I may get some pushback from my from my comrades here using that word intentionally. I think that I think that there's a really good chance now that a Democrat will win 2020, and good for them. I hope they do. I hope they do. Screw the Republicans. You're never you're never going to get pushback from me on any political. Uh, forget them. I don't really care who wins. Forget them. Um, I kind of do, but you know. I'm I'm in it for spite. I hope they I hope I hope they but win. But you never were really in the. You never had any skin in the game for Donald Trump. Like you no, never I have were. skin in the game for any of them. I have I, I had skin in the game for Trump because whenever Trump ran, I, although I mean I didn't vote, but whenever yeah. Trump ran, what he ran on were two things that I liked. One was that he ran on the idea that there is a bubble. He kept talking about that. The economy is a bubble. The economy is a bubble. See, I don't even remember him talking about well, that. Well, you weren't I, watching the debates like I was. I, wa- I was, I guess, just not with the same... Uh, How old were you, about 14 then? <laughs> <laughs> I, he kept talking about the bubble constantly. And then whenever he got in office, he fell in love with the stock market as it rose because it's a good way to get cheap votes. And then he, it's cost him. Whereas right now, when the bubble has popped... He could be saying that he was right. He could have been saying, "See, we sh- I told you we should have been getting manufacturing back home. I told you we should have been tightening our borders. All those things. All of this is playing right into what would have been his hands if he had stuck to what he ran on, and he would be able. I mean, he would be running away with it. But he fell into the same trap that a lot of people fall into, and that's looking for cheap votes and the little political games that you can play with the stock market, which is never a really good indicator anyway. Yeah. And so he he fell in love with that, and it cost him. And I'm mad at him about it. I love the. Here's one thing Trump's done that it, you'll never be able to take away. He has completely delegitimized the corporate press. Right. He has delegitimized. And that was the them. big takeaway. And from I love the beginning. that. I love that. That's great. But now he's screwing it up. He's screwing it up. It's fair to say that he's been a very useful idiot. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. I think the way I hope politics goes is I always think that. The incumbents should leave if they don't do what they yes. unless if they don't help people if they're not if they're making it they should they should get voted out always for spite because we need to keep them churning we need to keep them on their heels you know but and, and you know I, I thought I might get some push push back from y'all on on being for a Democratic Party that is pro abortion well no I didn't know you were saying you're for the Democratic Party I'm not well I'm saying I want them to win I'm not a Democrat I'm just saying I want them to win this election. It's, it's hard that? for me to have pushback on a uh, I don't, I don't know system how. I don't even like anyway. So well, are you, are you arguing for, for more fun. like yeah, a, yeah. more like a, a Leninist? Like we hope the whole city burns to the ground so that it can rebuild be be rebuilt better and be- bigger. I don't no. even know where to go with that. No, I mean I just is that what you no. want? Is that, is that no. you want the DNC so you want America to burn to the ground and then be rebuilt better? No, no, I want the DNC because Republicans have messed it up again. 
I'm going to drop a little story that my dad used to tell me. We were out doing yard work one day. We had a guy walk up, local election, walked up, gave a card to my dad. My dad said, what are you running for? Don't remember what it was. Dad said, are you the incumbent or are you the uh, are you running new? And the guy said, I'm running new. And my dad said, I'll vote for you. That was his entire political philosophy. Always vote off the guys who, uh, who were running there. Exactly. And that's where that's where I get mine. A lot of my ideas are but see, my dad. A week ago I was pro Trump twenty twenty, you know, for the for the for the lulls. But is it just what the seeing the seeing the, the bailout for the corporation yeah. particularly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's the big thing. It is thing. very problematic. It's it's totally you're right. It's a get totally against the populist message of what you ran on. Exactly. Boom. Exactly. That's the thing. And like I said, I thought I would get a little pushback from from somebody. I'm and mostly I always online. in for the lulls though. <laughs> right. Because my life is my life. But I'm just saying like I, I thought I would get a little pushback on this whole abortion thing, you know, because the Democrats well, are at least very Why why would I push back on you when the Republican Party has allowed abortion? Thank you. That's what I was going to say. And actually been the problem. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. We've the been thing hearing is, that, you know, I remember my parents voting for George W. because of the, the exactly. pro-life thing. And nothing got accomplished. 20, 2016, didn't it, that we had a the fully controlled. The pro-life movement is dead. I mean, it, it's, it, it gets nothing accomplished from what everything that we've been heard. 20, 2016, yeah. was it right that we had a, a we had a Republican president and both branches of Congress, right? Nothing happened. 2016. Yeah. They didn't even propose anything to shut down Planned Parenthood. You'd hear them talk about it, right? Which is what they do. That's all. All they do is talk. They talk and talk and talk. And I'm, I'm very anti-abortion would be in favor of shutting down Planned Parenthood and the IRS and the, yeah, the, everything, Department of Education. Well, but the biggest anti, anti-abortion anti work is done on the ground, grassroots level, organized, not federally funded. Like yeah, but I mean, I mean, they could, though, if they yeah. wanted to. The Republicans could have shut Planned Parenthood oh, down. Oh, I, I know. They're not going to. No, exactly. They have too much stock in it. Exactly. Yeah. And our, that's why I don't our, care about that whenever I say that I'm okay with the Democrats winning. That's why. Because I don't care. Our parents' generation will not admit this, but the Democrats court votes minorities the way Republicans court votes from baby boomer pro-lifers. And there's never a promise that's kept. That's right. That's exactly right. It's the same thing. I agree. So I'm mad at Trump about it. I hope it costs him the 2020 election. I might change my mind, but right now I'm pretty mad. I'm mad, not as mad as you are, but mad. I'm mad. I was a lot more mad before the show. This was the tame version. This was the tame version. I, I'm not mad test. because I still don't really know enough about. I haven't. Read we haven't talked it. enough about the details of the bailout. Could you yeah. get into that? Yeah, that, that's what my outrage. What else do you want to know? So I'm more interested on what part of it, what part of the bailout is going to the those the the amounts allotted to individual families and what amount is going specifically to big corporations. Okay, so, you know, I don't know exactly all of the uh, specifics on that myself, but, I mean, it wouldn't take that long to just figure out the math to know that if, you know, every family's getting between two and $3,000, that's not coming anywhere near $2 trillion. That's a good, that's you know, a good point. So that's... And I've been hearing, I don't know if this is true, but I've been hearing that there are big, big... Uh, Bailouts for companies such as Walmart and other manufacturers, but not or, or retailers, well, but think not about small businesses. Why would Walmart get a bailout? They've made probably more money in the last quarter than they've ever made. Here, here's why. It's Have bad. you seen the shelves? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. They're actually doing really well. Yeah, they Amazon. Be. And actually, that's the point. This is the point. Interest rates are going low. You said okay. that about Amazon, though, but I keep hearing that they're not doing good. See, I don't. Oh, I don't understand. know about Amazon. Yeah. Uh, but listen, I'm just saying this. Think about this. This is not even like this is not even a Wall Street bailout in the same sense in the same way that 2008 was. This is worse because it's a corporate bond bailout. So what's happening now is that basically all of these bigger businesses are going to be able to buy out any business if they're if they're big they can buy out some other tiny business mm-hmm. at 1% interest because interest rates are are coming down too. At the same time that they're that 4 trillion dollars is being freed up to lend from the Federal Reserve with low interest rates. So who are the people that who are the people that can benefit off of all of this money, all of this cheap money? It's the people with cash. And these are the people right now that have cash are only the biggest in the world. Berkshire Hathaway, all these companies, they're the ones that are going to be able to capitalize and they're going to start gobbling up businesses left and right over the next two or three years. You look at it and you watch and see that's what's going to happen. And Republicans and, that's and why Democrats I'm mad about both it. are okay with this. Exactly. Of course they are. That's yeah. what they want. Yeah, exactly. So wh- where do we go from here? What's the fallout going to look like from this, f- the economic fallout from the coronavirus and everything? Is it, I mean, are we looking at recession numbers? Are we looking at depression numbers? I'm I was texting a buddy of mine about this. Uh, he just texted me, smartest guy I know. And uh, 
he was texting me and he asked me about that. He said, uh, uh, recession or depression? That's what I said. Right now, we've been chatting about it. Right now, I lean depression. I think we're headed for a depression. That's what See, the I do I too. I do too. But I mean, I'm team. an Austrian, so we always scream about mm-hmm. uh, depressions. And Mine recession. was always that this you is going I to be the worst thing since the Great Depression. I think it really depends on how long we're shut down. But yeah. at the very least, either way, I think it's the worst thing since the Great Depression. Yeah. What What happens to supply chains and and the availability of goods? Do you think that'll be affected? Like the wide variety. You know, before, during the... Trump economic boom, it seemed like we were getting things left and right from China that were of the highest possible quality. Are, is that gonna, are we going to see that affected, you think? I don't know. I don't know enough about that to know. Can I ask a weird question? Sure. You can ask any question you want. It's our podcast. Are 3D printers going to help smaller businesses diversify? It, and, I mean... In what way? Explain. I've seen, I've actually bought a lot of products in the last year or two from random internet sites that have been fantastically high quality and they're all 3D printed. And I think that there is still a market in there for people to fill, for sellers to fill. Yeah, possibly. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. A lot of that, a lot of that Chinese stuff is apparently going away. Uh, I think there are still a few opportunities as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there are a few opportunities to fill in there if you're smart so, enough to try so to fill So does this end up working for Trump, as in U.S. manufacturing? No, this is not going to work for Trump, I don't think. You don't think that we might see a return of manufacturing because of China, the loss in China? I don't. I don't see that happening. I mean, how are they? How are we? Gonna, how is manufacturing going to come back if we still have minimum wage laws? And they're going up. I mean, there's a reason. Companies right. aren't sending them over there you're because right. they love China. I mean, they're sending them over there because they're just following the dollar. If it's you're the, not going to lower, if you're not going to lower the wage yeah. rate over here, you're not getting workers back in plants. It's it's like when he promised coal jobs were going to come back. Did they ever come back? Not that I'm aware. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just, I'm not necessarily in favor. I'm just saying for his platform, the whole thing was manufacturing, kind of a return to 1950s America. And does that happen? I guess if we shut off the border to China. I did, well, we're not going to do that. Well, yeah. I just I'm very pessimistic that we'll do that because that's another thing I got mad at Trump about in the very beginning aftermath and I may have mentioned this on the first episode I think is that he had his chance whenever this first started coming to say see I told you so I told you we needed we were too reliant on China we had to tighten our borders like things that he had been running on and he did not take advantage of that instead he tried to sweep it under the rug and say this was no big deal this coronavirus is no big deal it wasn't going to happen he's just not been a leader I mean he's trying to be a little bit of a leader now again I mean he 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 does have he is very good at evolving he is very good at changing that's how he's I think part of why he's been so successful throughout his entire life persuasion wise he knows how to change and read a room he can read a room which is definitely something decomposing Nancy cannot do um but he had his chance and he hasn't taken it. So he's trying to be a leader now by kind of saying, hey, we'll all be back by Easter. It's like it's good messaging, you know, because it associates the resurrection, you know, with and it's a big holiday in the country and stuff, which is pretty good. That's what the leader needs to do. But I'm very, very skeptical that we will actually ever pull any manufacturing out of China. Honestly, it's the, one of the strangest things about this to me is that this seemed like from day one, this could have been one of the easiest victories he's ever had. Exactly. And he almost went out of his way to not win. Exactly. The best thing that he could have possibly done, not ideologically, you know, I don't think, I don't agree with it, but the best thing that he could have done was to take the UBI approach with his base. Can you imagine how mad Andrew Yang has to be right now? Yeah. yeah. Because I'm pretty sure the lifetime UBI that he proposed of like $1,000 to every family the lifetime wasn't going to cost us $6 trillion. That's what's amazing <laughs> about And everybody this. was like, hey, we cannot do that. We do not have the money. And like all of the people in Washington were hey, like, that's stupid. but we're not a bunch of socialists, though. Yeah. You know, that's and then gonna... it's like, then this comes around. It's like, oh, yeah, $6 trillion. We good? You good with that? $6 trillion? Okay, yeah, let's, in, let's do in it. In what world is that economically conservative? In what world? That was actually the next question I had here. I had like four questions listed for us to talk about on the bailout. And the, fourth, the third one was, so we're pretty much admitting that we're just all socialists now, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, not us. I'm saying the country. Like, oh. we're all socialists now, right? I've been trying to get people to... I've been trying to Oh, get, yeah, we are. Yeah. I mean, obvious. I mean, I've been trying to get conservatives to admit that for a while with their uh, absolute idolization of, of uh, socialized education, public education. Oh, that they're socialists, yeah. you know, but they just won't admit it. They don't view that as the same yeah. thing. But now that they want... They literally want a bailout, 
just like they would decry that being socialism whenever it happened to Wall Street in 08, oh, that bailout. But now that they're saying they want the bailout for themselves, well, they're n- but they're we're not all against. It's not socialist as much as it is collectivist, because it's not built upon Marxism. It's more it's more nationalistic. Socialism. It's more nationalistic, and, and from the right wing. I mean, I, if only there was a term for national socialism. Yeah. Has there ever been anything that's been nationally socialistic? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just saying that like socialism is not just communism. Oh, I know that. That's what I'm saying. But the popular and it's but not just Marxist. A, it was kind of a populist nationalism that Trump ran on originally. Yeah. Po- populist national. Yeah, yeah. Populist right. sure. nationalism. Sorry. I thought you were calling Trump a Nazi. I'm not. I calling think you him did. A, did you hear that? I heard that. I think that there are similarities in the movement of the nationalistic nationalistic populism. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean that. Yeah, okay. Populism is definitely on the rise. No, I'm just messing with you. No, okay. 100%. But I'm just saying, like, I think America, like, has got to admit that we're just, we're socialistic now. We've, we've at best been crony capitalistic. We haven't been capitalistic in a long time. We're, we are socialist in the light. We've been socialistic in the dark for a long time. Yeah, that's time. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, now we're going to get to. Now, now you can't just, you can't say you're not. No one can you know? talk with a clear conscience about a, uh, at least in W, I think in W's day, people would talk about limited government. Republicans right. would talk about limited sure. Government. He, you should go back and watch some of his speeches from like when he was running in '99 and the debates in '99. They were like incredibly anti-war, right? Incredibly right. like pro-free market, all this stuff. But it's all gone now. But in now, the words John, of w, John Kasich and John, essentially the politics of John Kasich. Trump has adopted, and now that's the main party platform in the Republican Party. Like W himself said, fool me once. (laughs) Shame on you. Fool me twice. Won't get fooled again. Fool me once, can't fool me again. We're going to have to play that clip during this podcast. Yeah, we need to. It's so good. It's one of my favorites, for sure. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. I miss him so much. Um, so, and that's the other question I have. The fourth question here is, where are all, where are all the fiscal conservatives? Where are they? Like we're just talking about. We, I mean, they, you used to be able to find them in the Republican Party. Yeah. You know, but now you can't find them. They, they don't exist you. because everything's even, a trade-off. Even like Rand Paul, it. you know, who yeah. is, you know, whatever you think about Rand Paul. But like his only objection is that like he didn't want to pass this until we also ended the war in Afghanistan, which is great because, I mean, I'm, I'm good with ending the war, but he's like still okay with passing a $6 trillion bailout. So there are no fiscal conservatives anymore. No. I'd, I'd be interested. I wonder what Ted Cruz is saying about all this. Oh, my gosh. Your love for Ted Cruz I is don't, just sickening. I, I don't love Ted Cruz. I just wanted to know what he would say. Why? Why do you want to know what Ted Cruz thinks? I don't know. I guess he does Are you seem, wondering he where does the Zodiac like Killer, what the Zodiac <laughs> Killer thinks? He's too busy looking at porn on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, man, that was Oh, that was I wild. didn't. I haven't heard this. Well, we're, we're going to okay. skip right over okay, this. Okay. A fam, this is a family show, but that was wild. That was very wild. <laughs> yeah, he got quarantined and used his time in a certain way. But uh, so anyway, there are no fiscal conservatives anymore. I don't care what Ted Cruz thinks. Ted, Do you think Ted Cruz is a fiscal conservative? Is that, is that why you want to know no, what he thinks? No, I was going to say that he's more, it seems like he has more of an ideological platform than the other guys that were running at that time against Trump. You think that Ted Cruz is ideological. Is that what you're telling me right now? Uh, Don't back down now. I would say that he has more commitments to, uh, you know, a literal interpretation of the Constitution than Ugh, other who cares? GOP. I know, I'm just saying. Who cares about the Constitution? <laughs> who cares about the Constitution? There's a fantastic quote by Lysander Spooner where he says this, that it is either that the Constitution is either authorize such a government that we have or it has been powerless to prevent it and either way it is unfit to exist and i think that we could make an argument for that from the founding fathers right no they wrote the constitution they had the far superior articles of confederation already intact and then as a power grab literally in their first movement as a government was to grab more central power to get the constitution written which was already a centralization of power that they had enumerated in the articles of confederation before so again the constitution has either you know it has either gotten us here or it, or it has not been able to keep us from getting to this point and either way it is unfit to be kept 
It is unfit to be a ruling document. That's why I don't care whether Ted Cruz is a strict constitutionalist. Okay? I don't care. Are you texting another ruling elder now? No, I was looking at the quote from Ben Franklin that says, you know, that you what you have is a republic if you can keep it. Right. You know. Why would anyone subscribe to some government that they think they can't even keep? Well, I think that they had a they they understood that it was fallible, and I don't think that we understand. Well, it was that a government, anymore. so it's fallible in its nature. I think Absolutely. it's because people don't want to ever acknowledge the truth. It's just easier to to sit in the closet. Anyway, now we're getting all we're we're getting all high in the sky, yeah, existential about it. But I just wanted to drop that Lysander Spinner quote because it's one of my it favorites is good. of all it time. It is very good. Okay, what else about the bailout? Anything else? No. W- was there anything in there specifically for airlines? Or I don't actually know. It's an uneducated guess. Our audience member says there is. He's not supposed to be interacting at all. But yeah, I'm sure there is. I mean, how could there not be? No. You know, for this, I mean, there's definitely going to be. It's not going to be pretty. No. I don't know what's going to happen again. We're just going to see all these yeah, people I buy think out. We're, we're going to see an economic meltdown for sure. We're going to see one thing for sure that you will see is you will see um, big corporations buy out as many profitable businesses as they possibly can. And they're going to be able to do it with basically 0% interest. That's why this is bad. Uh, maybe you could send me some resources on that. That sounds good. I got your resource right here. The words coming out of my mouth. You don't believe me? Huh? All right, whatever. Government-funded monopolies. I'll send you some resources so you can have people with credentials. and you, You're going to seminary. You're one of those people that like credentials and, and initials on the back of their names so that make you feel better about somebody's knowledge. You know, I can read books, too, seminarian. I can read books. All you people do, anyway. All right. Let's move on, then. Uh, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about something theological. I was going to say a lighter topic, but it's, <laughs> it's definitely not a lighter not. topic. I was really hoping you were going to say something fun or something I wouldn't know about. Well, I'm out on this, probably. You have, no, you'll have reactions to it. You'll In true reactions. layman form, you will not know what you're talking about, but you will have a very uh, big reaction okay. to it emotionally, which okay. is really, isn't that what we want out of our congregants in the Absolutely. church we want them to be not informed but to feel very passionate <laughs> totally <about> anecdotal <laughs> no you'll you'll definitely have an opinion about this as we as okay. we talk about it so the topic we're going to talk about is revoice uh Gearhardis, why don't you give us a little bit of a brief rundown on what revoice is you're the seminarian you're soon to be paid to know these things right right a i don't very remember small amount. i don't remember yeah i don't remember exactly let's see revoice happened Anybody remember what year that was? 1973. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> 90, I mean, not 90. Uh, I would say it's like 2018. When okay. Right. It was just a conference hosted by Memorial Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, Missouri. That's a PCA congregation. The pastor is Greg Johnson, and it was a essentially a same-sex attracted conference, which embraced the gay identity, not the practice of homosexuality, but the identity of gay Christian. And... It was seen as um, well. There was there were a lot of, of just bad false teaching that that were involved in that. Um, a lot of things. Uh, it's been very controversial. It's, it's been very controversial, and it was kind of the the last straw, I guess. You know, as far as kind of I think waking everybody up to the problem that we have in the PCA, which is people that are what we call side B in favor of homosexuality. So they they would say that they are. You know, against openly being in a man, let's see, a man engaging in sexual activity with a man, but that they would be in favor of a man having desires toward another man as and even as, identifying and as and gay, and it, yeah, as yeah. celibate gay, as celibate gay. All right, so then Revoice, you know, that stirred up a big controversy, and they had a they had a facts page. You know, uh, I, I don't remember what it originally said, but they have kind of tuned up their website. To try to sound and appear, uh, I would say more orthodox. I'm not trying to imply any motive there. I'm just saying that they seem to the, have wanted to try to. Yeah, I would say that's that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that's what they're doing. They're trying to appear more orthodox. So they released a frequently asked questions, a fact. Uh, I always, I never know if you're supposed to say fact or fact. I guess it's just fact. I just, F-A-Q. I just say get, FAQ. Yeah, we'll sticky. just go with that. Yeah, uh, FAQ. And so I thought we'd go through these and just get some reactions from you guys uh, on it. So the first question is, and I'm not going to, they have very long explanations, and I'll try to hit the highlights, but first one they say is, is Revoice trying to advance a kind of, quote, gay Christianity? They say no. 
they put that in, they put a lot of spaces, new paragraph. We recognize only one Christianity, the gospel, which calls all sinners to repentance, offers them forgiveness, spiritual life, and victory over sin in Christ, and empowers them to grow in holiness and conformity to Christ. So like you say, orthodox, try to be orthodox. Yeah, but even there, I'm already sensing a, an issue because I, I know a couple of guys that would identify as SSA and that um, they certainly don't act on those uh, desires or whatever, but that, that one constant thing that I hear from them is that we have made an idol out of the American family. It gets better. Okay, okay, well, so, I'll save that comment. But yeah. but you can even hear in that first question, or in that first statement, a little bit of there's no heterosexual Christianity, right. there's no homosexual Christianity. Go, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it, it, hold that. Yeah, go can ahead. I say that I kind of agree with the fact that we've made an idol out of the modern American family? Whoa. We'll get to it. Okay. I'm the guy with a lot of kids. That's really a bold statement. It sounds like, why don't you start in your don't, own don't home? Don't dox me. Kids. We're doxing each other every episode here. <laughs> I got kids. Uh, just not as many as you get. <laughs> Uh, all right, so it gets what I've noticed in this pattern, by the way, in all of their uh, questions, all their answers, the first two paragraphs will be sort of like almost statements of orthodoxy. And then there will be two more paragraphs that will be them sort of backing off of the things they just wrote <laughs> in the previous paragraphs. So it goes on and it says at the last paragraph, it says some of, the, some of us use the phrase gay Christian or same-sex attracted Christian to refer to a subset of people who share those two characteristics. Revoice's mission, for example, is not primarily directed toward all same-sex attracted individuals, nor toward all Christians, but rather toward those who fall into both of those categories. No special sort of gay Christian identity is intended. What Orwellian doublespeak that was, where they say their mission is not primarily directed toward all same-sex attracted individuals, nor towards all Christians. So they're not trying to minister to all Christians. They admit that. Or to all people. They're trying to uh, go towards people who fall into both of those categories, same-sex attracted and a Christian. And then they say, no special sort of gay Christian identity is intended. Well, then, who are you ministering to? You just said you were ministering to gay Christians. Not gay people and not Christians but people who fall into both of those categories. And then they say, but we don't mean to use that phrase. Hmm. Seminarian, what do they mean by that? Read it one more time very slowly because there's a lot there. Why don't you pull it up on your phone so you can read it as I'm going. But it's, Revoice's mission, for example, is not primarily directed toward all same-sex attracted individuals, nor is it directed toward all Christians, but rather toward those who fall into both categories. So the two categories being same-sex attracted, and Christian. It's yeah, kind of like yeah. an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting saying, you can come if you just like drink Coke, you know? Is that fair? Probably. I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it either. I don't understand what it even means. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm... Maybe keep, keep going to get a little yeah, bit Yeah, let's more keep context. going. The second question is my favorite, probably. Does, on that, it's honestly on this point. Does, Re, does Revoice promote a gay identity? Again, no. And they, you know, give a couple paragraphs of orthodoxy again. Then it says this. Uh, let me find where it was. Oh, here it is. Most of those in Revoice's leadership and most of its speakers openly describe themselves as being predominantly attracted to their own sex, whether they use words like gay or same-sex attracted to do so. We believe uh, there are many good and God-glorifying reasons for doing so, especially in our present cultural context. So the question literally says, does Revoice promote a gay identity? They say no. Two paragraphs later, they say, when referring to people who use the terms gay or same-sex attracted, they say, we believe there are many good and God-glorifying reasons for doing so, for referring to yourself that way. There are not. But, I mean, they say, what I, what's making me mad about this is they're trying to say, I mean, they literally just say, it's they're lying. I mean, they say. They, out of one side of their mouth, they're saying, we don't identify as, as anything other than Christian. We do not promote gay identity. We're only attracted to our same sex. And they even said there are good and God-glorifying reasons. For identifying as such. Yes. Do they list those? No. Okay. <laughs> no, they definitely don't. Good question. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, so, you know, they say, actually they do. I'm sorry, they do. I'm being unfair. Oh, wow. They oh, wow. do list. They say, first and foremost, is the importance of being able to share our burdens with others and receive support, encouragement, and accountability from them. Okay. That's a oh, good I, reason to refer no, to yourself no. as a gay Christian. How, how does that, how does that glorify God? It doesn't. It okay. doesn't. No, 
if they were if they were sharing the fact that they struggle with same sex attraction with other Christians, then that would be a that would be drastically different than saying, "Hey, I'm a gay Christian, and let me tell you about Jesus." Exactly, I totally agree. So anyway, the list that's pretty much that's that's the gist of the listing of their reasons. I mean, I think you probably can imagine what yeah. the rest of what they would say. So, all right, then they go on to say, "Does Revoice recommend that Christians who are attracted to their own selves call themselves gay?" No. They literally just said there are God-glorifying reasons for doing that, and then they, the next one they say, no, that you shouldn't do that. And they know what's going to happen is they can say, they can ask the questions that they're being criticized for, they can say that they said no to it, and then they can, out of the other side of their mouth, give all the reasons why they're not abiding by what they just said. Guys, this is where we have to wake up and see that people in the left, especially in the PCA right now, are speaking out of both sides of their mouth. So you cannot take these guys for what they say at the surface level because they contradict themselves constantly. Look at the chapel debacle. Not oh not Brian Chapel, but yeah. the chapel at... At a Revoice, yeah, at, 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 at yeah, Memorial. At, right, right. And, and look at how they said this is not a ministry of Memorial Presbyterian Church. Then right. you go on the chapel's website, and it says this is a ministry of yeah. Memorial Presbyterian Church. It is, uh, it's just doublespeak. Honesty is a trait of the godly, yep. not of the leftist, of the godly. I can't disagree with that. And how you, what, what can you say to that? I love it when uh, Gerhardus starts off something with people. <laughs> Wake up, all you people out there. You know you're Nobody's in for a treat. Listening. No one is listening. Okay. So anyway, there are there are several more, uh, and I just don't think it's worth keeping continuing to read them. I, I think people enjoy. Uh, well, you can you can open the FAQ. I'm saying we can keep talking about revoice, but I just I'm not going to keep reading all these. You can read them on yeah. your own. I'd like to talk about the the whole idol of the American family. If we yeah, can. that'd be great. So so one thing that I keep hearing is that. It is a okay. So they'll say essentially, they'll give this the person that said it's dealing with SSA will give you the ground of saying I agree I shouldn't use the marker of homosexual Christian. Correct. But that means that you can't use the the sexual identity language of heterosexual. And they try to equate the two. Look, you created a category that God didn't intend. You don't get to impose upon the rest of us who are fulfilling the what the Lord would have us to do in the way that he would have us to do it as being idolatrous and simply trying to act out the marriage covenant. Okay. What do you think about that? I think that is very different than what I would have read into it when I read that there, uh, the, the modern American family can be idolized even by us. I think that oh, it I— definitely can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I very often— uh, prioritize my own family way more than I should. No, they're saying, they would say that and I love our, my church, our church, for instance, yeah. uh, we go to a very confessional church that has uh, a lot of young families and they would say that we probably don't cater enough to people that don't have children and that we idolize the family to the point oh, that the you church can't, itself idolizes the family. The church itself idolizes the family to the point that you can't really participate in it without having a family and children. Right, and that is a problem. If that's happening... That's a problem. If it's happening, it's yeah. a problem. And I think yeah. I could see it happen. Like, I could see it happening. I mean, I'm not saying we're doing it, or that it doesn't feel like we're doing it, or that, it, or that it's happening at anywhere near the rate as it's being yeah. accused. No, you know, no, they're they're simply pushing back on, you know, if you're gonna get, it's really a, they're trying to cut you down at the semantic level and not right. let you get past the fact that they're desiring and not trying to cut off their desires. Right. You know, I agree. The covenant, yeah. the new covenant, is an expand. It's an expansive covenant. It's not just dealing with the external factors, but Christ cuts us down to the heart level and says, "Look, if you look at this woman with lust." Right. Exactly. I think. Know. I think. I really think that's the point. I mean, that's really where they are just theologically they're incorrect. You know that in the same way. And I mean, this example has been used by many people before me. I'm not, a, you know, uh, being original with this, but. In the same way that it would not be okay for me to say, you know, that I am an adulterous Christian. I am, you know, someone who I don't, I've never committed adultery, but I just really want to a lot, like really bad. I, I really find other women other than my wife supremely attractive, and, you know, I'm going to keep doing that. That's just who I am. That's how I'm made. Whereas the way to approach this is for me to say, yeah, you know, I have found other women attractive, and I sinned when I did that. And to admit that sin, and to seek forgiveness for it. 
and to understand you're not outside of the of Christ. You know, when you do sin, that's not the you know you're not saying that you've lost salvation. But the point is that we would admit and say, yeah, if I ever do that, if I lust, if I even desire another woman other than my wife, I am sinning, and it's not okay for me to do that. There are ways to sin heterosexually as well, and we pretty openly admit that that's wrong and should be working on it. And maybe we're not doing a good enough job of, of dealing with that in the church, and that's probably certainly been true in America for 50 or 60 years. I don't think it's as much of a problem now. I mean, it's not madmen anymore. Uh, it doesn't feel like who knows, but, you know. But it's also, to me, a sign of unrepentance whenever you confront someone about something and immediately they're like, oh, no, it's not me that has the problem. It's you yeah, that has no, the idol sure. with the American family. For That's sure. exactly how all of us act when we're caught in unrepentant sin is when we immediately jump on the defense. Sure. You know, oh, no, it's not me. It's the woman you gave me. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's, that's just, example. you know, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean... Uh, I mean, we wouldn't, we could, we could list any, you know, put any, any X, Y sin in that statement, you know, that I am a whatever Christian and we would never be okay with that. You know, I'm a thieving Christian, you know, I don't thieve or I'm a, you know, murderous Christian. I really, you know, hate people. I mean, this is what the Sermon on the Mount was, was Christ coming and showing through teaching that the law has changed. And actually the law has gotten harder to follow than it was before, because now it's no longer just about what you do. It is about what you are in your heart and it just shows us it should point us back to christ it should show us how much we desperately need christ we need christ the three of us need christ just as much as our you know uh same sex struggling and they're but they're dividing the body that's the exactly. problem that's they're not tearing yeah. up the body of christ for a reason that's not even going to help any it's not helping anybody exactly that what power what what does anyone gain from you saying okay sit, let's say it's a sister struggling with lesbianism okay sister you're attracted to women, but you can't act on those attractions. Now, you can identify as a lesbian, but you can't act on them. What sort of relief does that give her? Yeah, and what, do you, do you not you, believe that Christ has the power exactly, over the flesh? That he exactly. could? You're no longer a slave to that sin, sister, is what we should say. Yeah, and by the way, this is not the same thing as conversion therapy. You know, it always gets thrown in there. It's like, you know, conversion therapy is talked about so derogatorily because that's not what we're talking about at all. What we're talking about is turning sin over to Christ. Yep, being sanctified. <laughs> That's it. Being sanctified. And we should all be doing it, and I do think we should be more open about the way that we, uh, you know, not, sometimes I think our generation is a little too open with our struggles. We almost like bask in being, um, like being broken, uh, that word is used all the time, and not having it together and all this kind of stuff. But I think that we should be um, willing to confront our sin with people that, we, that we're close to, at least, at the very least. You know, that we should be willing to uh, have people that call. I don't know. Y'all have probably done that. I've done this in my life with people. had, you know, people very close to me in my life that I've asked them to specifically hold me accountable about very private, mm -hmm. personal sin, you know, struggle. But and not just see, sins, like lust. But you do that on a private level. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And it came from a place of wanting to be more like Christ. Wanting to be more like Christ. And again, I don't even take credit for that. That comes from Christ being in me and changing my heart to even want to desire to be like Christ. Mm -hmm. So, and this is where we want to hopefully turn this into is like I said, I, we want our same sex struggling, you know, brothers and sisters to also want to be like Christ for Christ to come and make change their hearts and, and to not make them okay. And with I their think sin. many of them do. I do, and, I do and too. I and I think that many of them have seen, uh, have have come to come to the light on this whole issue and have seen that Greg Johnson's gospel has no power because it tells you to live in your sin. And there are a lot of people that have overcome that. And that's honestly part of what makes me yeah. mad about yeah. this too, yeah. is that there are people who are you know, struggling with same-sex attraction who are not wanting to keep that as their identity. They are trying to, they're, they're correctly viewing that sin, and this is not helping them. Mm -hmm. This is damaging that work. Yeah, it doesn't help anyone. No, it doesn't. Well, I guess we... Uh, have not left it up for anybody's wondering about where we stand we're, on the revoice issue. Where we would fall. We're not in the yeah. national partnership, yeah. if anybody was wondering. <laughs> so, anyway, we, uh, we'll we see. I guess uh, I'll never get on a committee if people find out who I am, and you'll never find a church <laughs> after, you get out of, after you get out of seminary. So, I guess that's just the way it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's okay. We're okay with that. We're not in this. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> So anyway, well, this has been an uneducated guess. It's been fun again this week, guys. I, we, it was, a, I mean, 
I'm sorry I'm a little mad today. I've been a little mad. We we had to cover a couple couple topics of me being angry. I apologize. Uh, no, I got pretty mad in that last segment. You so. did. That that's kind of your whipping post. You're good at it, though. I give you that. We uh, yeah, maybe we'll cover a lighter topic next week. Maybe we can talk about like our favorite TV shows or uh, something. Can we do fantasy baseball? <laughs> there is no baseball with the fantasy. <laughs> There's not even going to be any baseball. I know. It is a big bummer. Hey, in all seriousness, stay safe out there. Stay connected with your with your church as much as you can. But you know, stay connected to Christ. That's our that's our sufficiency for sure. Any other thoughts, gentlemen? No. God bless you and your family.